0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Bio Breakthroughs podcast. I'm your host Jared Taylor. Joining me today is Pete O'Haran, the founder and CEO at Fibro Biologics. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. It's good to see you again. It's been a, you know a good couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's dive right in. Tell the audience a little about your background. My background,
1: well, in my original background was in hospital administrations where my undergraduate and graduate degrees were with a minor in biology and uh, working with doctors. They're they're natural inventors. Uh, They all have the, uh, everyone, uh, every doctor that I've ever met has a better way to do something. And most of them have the capacity to patent it and prototype it and even sell it to their own facility and kind of uh, when they get to that point, that's where they, everything kind of falls apart and they need someone to get it across the finish line. So that's kind of where we step in Um, and been working in that capacity since the late nineties. We work with uh, surgeons. Surgeons have, uh, they're all natural inventors. They all have the capacity to invent and patent something uh, and prototype it. And then they sell it to their facilities. And that's kind of where it falls apart. So we kind of come in and take it uh, across the finish line for those guys. And uh, we had a previous project that we had developed a set of surgical instruments and we showed it to every venture capitalist in the country and said, we developed the best system in the world. And they said, no, you didn't. 25 patents later, we returned 950% to our shareholders. And we went back to those VCs and we thanked them for their guidance. And we told them what we'd done. And they said, whatever you do in the future, we're check writers. And we said, well, we just deal with individual angels at that point. But one of them called and said there was an I- they had an idea that one of their surgeons had worked on, that you could take a dermal fibroblast. And this is prior to stem cells winning the Nobel Prize. So you could take, so there was the, the cell therapy craze had yet to start. And so they, they thought you could take a dermal fibroblast, which is similar to a stem cell. And in a mechanically stressed, low oxygen environment, that cell would turn into what's called a chondrocyte and you could regrow the disc. So that's kind of where that started. And they said, are you interested in, uh, you know, I've, everything we've worked on in the past were kind of improved technologies. And this was, if it worked, it was a game changer for us. So we took that uh, technology and that's what really became um, Fibrobiologics. Uh, so we've been working on it uh, for a number of years and so found it to be a fantastic cell source.
0: And and give us, give us the overview of where the company is at today.
1: We have a number of uh, clinical programs um, in our pipeline. We have uh, orthopedics, uh, degenerative disc disease. We have some really uh, great uh, clinical results on multiple sclerosis, uh, cancer. Wound care is one of our newer programs, and one of our most exciting programs is the extension of life where we're taking the thymus gland and we're regenerating its capacity to educate the immune system.
0: And when you were giving your your background and, and an overview of the company, you were talking about fibroblast uh, technology. Talk us through this fibroblast technology platform um, and its you know therapeutic potential.
1: Sure. So in, in the human body, there's two cells you can use to regenerate tissue and grow organs. There's a stem cell, which everybody's heard about, and there's a fibroblast, which nobody's heard about. The the irony is that fibroblasts are the most common cell in the human body. They actually outnumber stem cells 5001. Uh, People say, well, if they're so good, why do we just hear about stem cells? Well, stem cells won the Nobel Prize. Dr. Yamanaka in Japan won the Nobel Prize in 2012 because he created this induced pluripotent stem cell. The other irony is, He used a fibroblast to create that stem cell. So we like to say that the entire stem cell revolution began with a fibroblast. Um, They're a fantastic cell. They're easier to harvest than stem cells. They're more potent than stem cells. They have high therapeutic values. They're just a fantastic cell source. The reason that stem cells, again, um, uh, the revolution for stem cells started is because that's, that's what won the Nobel Prize. And it seems to be just like we see with CRISPR. You know, CRISPR—that technology won the Nobel Prize about eighteen months ago—and you see a, a huge uh, um, attention and, and awareness brought uh, for CRISPR technology because of that. So we we, we feel fibroblasts are a better cell source than stem cells, and thank God they didn't win the Nobel Prize because we wouldn't have access to. Them.
0: Interesting, but you're saying, they played a role. More than likely, right, and that person winning that Nobel Prize because without them, they wouldn't have been able to. It, it wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't even. It's not that we wouldn't have heard of stem cells. It's it may have not won the the Nobel Prize if it weren't for fibroblast.
1: They wouldn't have. I mean, they had to create a stem cell from a fibroblast, and I think one of the accounts of that project, someone made the comment that they thought the the researchers in Japan thought that fibroblasts were relegated to the evolutionary scrap heap of connective tissue. They just didn't think it had therapeutic values and we've since uh, proven that they have tremendous therapeutic values.
0: Super interesting. And and I want to make sure that's that's a really cool <clears throat> story too. I'm glad you told it. Your your f- like let us also dive in. You've built you've built this great company uh in, in product pipeline and you've scaled the team I think it's important to to talk about this, right? What has your formula been for uh, growing and scaling the team as well as your, your product pipeline?
1: Yeah, I, w- I would really say that the the reason we've been able to do what we do is because of our financing mechanism. <clears throat> because we use angels, we have 60 or 70 of the top neurosurgeons in the country, another 15 or 20 general surgeons. And because we fund it that way, instead of a... Venture, venture capital or institutional financing some of the more traditional routes it allowed us to explore all of the science behind fibroblast typically in an institutional round or venture capital round they would ask you to select one or two diseases and focus on those well that would have left everything else untouched and it's allowed us because of the financing mechanism we chose it's allowed us to explore all the science in fibroblasts, and uh, we've, you know, since found them to be a highly therapeutic cell source and we would not have been allowed to do that had we taken institutional financing. So I would, I would say it's the, it's because of the angels uh, and their, their uh, interest in what we're doing and the ideas we get from them and really the, the, we've allowed the scientists in the lab to just explore all the boundaries of fibroblasts.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I've been hearing... I've been here, you know, it'll be cool to do a deep dive sometime into financing structures in terms of company success. And this is not to knock the, you know, the venture capitalists, but when you look at the ones that were able to just scale with angel funding versus taking those funds, it did provide them with the additional flexibility, right, to go in some different directions that opened up the opportunity versus, you know, sometimes it's not good to just focus in on one area, like you were just saying, right, that limits you in terms of where you end up going. So that's a really cool takeaway. Um speaking of takeaways, you and I met at Bio, right, in right. Boston uh not too long ago. W- what are some of the key takeaways that you had from the event?
1: Well, well first of all, I was absolutely astonished at the number of attendees. I think they had over 9,000 attendees and and how smoothly it ran. I mean, I'm not a big conference person. I go to conferences, but it's not something that I I seek out uh, <laughs> for enjoyment. It was one of the best conferences I've ever been to. Uh, I just uh, applaud everybody behind bio and what they did to to put that on. And I think that, you know, when I go to a conference like that, and we've all been kind of, you know, since COVID, everybody's kind of uh, been on Zoom calls and, and uh, in virtual conferences. But to be all together and to see all the advances that are coming up in medicine, it's just It's phenomenal. It's really, it's so exciting to be in medicine to see what's coming down the road, especially in cell therapy, CRISPR therapy, uh, immunotherapy for cancer, really exciting things coming.
0: So as it relates to, let's see, you know, regenerative medicine, what are some of the trends that you're seeing um, that are developing right now and that'll continue to develop through 2023 and beyond?
1: Well, I think the the thing that excites me the most is I think we're getting very close to seeing a cell therapy get approved by the FDA, and I think that will open the floodgates. I don't think we've seen a stem cell therapy approved yet by the FDA. I think there's a couple of companies getting really close, so I think that will bring the attention back on cell therapy. I think we've lost a little little attention to uh, immunotherapy and gene therapy. it kind of all started with, with cell therapy. Then it started going into, um, uh, immunotherapy and now more, more recently, uh, gene therapy. So I think it'll bring back more attention to, uh, cell therapy. So that, that's exciting for me in the next year or so. Um, you know, cause that, that's kind of the place we're in.
0: And in terms of what's next for the company that you can share with us today, what's exciting you, um, as you, you know, you continue to build this, this great company.
1: Well, we've had great results with our animal trials in the lab, and that's always exciting to see the next phase in those. But I think over the next year, you'll see us going into more into humans with larger human trials. Um, we're taking the company public this year, so you'll see, you'll see access to uh, more capital markets for us. Um, uh, certainly uh, an expansion of our existing research team and our uh, executive team. You'll see that as well.
0: Well, I'm hoping we can bring you on uh, one of our shows again in the, in the near future where we can dive into uh, maybe getting you on a panel and we can we can talk more about stem cells and, and fibroblast technology. Um, and then maybe we can get some other people that are also, you know, saying what you were saying in terms of this would not have happened if not for this because I, I like well, those conversations.
1: Yeah, you know, we like to say that we've done the research and this is nothing against my a big pharma brethren because I used uh, two of their products this morning. But we, we can't find any examples of a chemical compound in the last 70 years curing a chronic disease. It won't happen. You, I don't think we'll ever see a time when an external chemical compound, man-made, will enter the human body and cure a disease. The cures for chronic diseases will come from cell therapy, immunotherapy, or gene therapy. In essence, t- taking the body's own biologic system to cure defects in the biologic process. I think that's what you'll see, and that's really, really exciting.
0: Well, again, Pete, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the Bio Breakthroughs podcast, sharing your thoughts, uh, and also giving us some some uh, really good insights into how you've built your team and and the pathways you took and your financing mechanism. Um, again, hopefully, we can have you on again in the near future, and wishing you all the best of luck.
1: Great, thank you. Thanks for having me.